We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid. And I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. California salmon are in trouble. Ongoing drought and unseasonably hot weather have warmed and dried up the waters that endangered Chinook salmon rely on. Negotiations between the State Water Resources Control Board and the Federal Bureau of Reclamation approved a plan for managing water levels, but it could prove disastrous for the salmon spawning season. So here to explain to us how we got into this predicament and how we might get ourselves and the fish back out are Tara Duggan. She's a staff writer at the San Francisco Chronicle who's been covering salmon for a while. Welcome to the show, Tara. Morning. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. And we also have Howard Brown, a policy advisor with NOAA Fisheries, the federal agency responsible for managing the nation's marine fisheries. Welcome, Howard. Thanks. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Tara, I was hoping you could sort of set the scene for us here. You know, kind of what's the map that we're really looking at here from Shasta, you know, down to the Golden Gate? Like, so what are the key kind of milestones for for the salmon? Yeah, you know, it's such a fascinating journey the salmon take. I think a lot of us in the Bay Area are more familiar with salmon, obviously in the ocean, Um, and we sometimes eat them from the ocean, Um, but those same adult salmon, um, well, they're different populations that um, they they travel all the way from the Pacific Ocean up through the bay and up to the the northernmost point of the Sacramento River they can reach, which is Shasta Dam, um, and that's where they spawn. So the endangered salmon are not the same population that you know, are fished for, for commercial fishing, but that's the one that is of most concern and is protected because it's an endangered species. It's called the winter run Chinook salmon. Got it. Um, yeah. It's and, a pretty complicated system, but it's really interesting. Yeah. And as I understand it, basically the dams and the delta are kind of this big hydraulic machine, right? Where we sort of try and manage the water that's needed down 
uh, by farmers and cities. We try to flush water through the delta with uh, for for the fish, um, and we try and maintain water in in reservoirs uh, as well. Right. So this we're always kind of trying to constantly balance these different factors in in managing our water loads. Right. Exactly. And and as we know, that balance becomes really difficult when there's a drought. And we saw how that happened in the last drought, and in particular in 2014 and 2015. There were limited resources, and because a lot, are, a lot of water was released um, uh, earlier in the season by the time. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So by the time water, you know, gets, um, by the time the salmon are ready to spawn, which is in this time of year and through August, the, sometimes the, the river is lower because less water is available. And when the river is lower, it gets warmer and that can become very dangerous to the, the eggs, which is the next generation of salmon. And that's kind of what we're, we're concerned about happening right now. Howard Brown with uh, NOAA Fisheries. How, how bad is the situation right now for this particular run of, of salmon? Oh, I think it's, it's very bad. Uh, you know, you can't beat around the bush by, you know, saying it's, uh, it's not significantly um, risky for winter run Chinook salmon. It's, it's not just risky for winter run. We're, you know, they're the, one of the most endangered marine species in the country, but we have other other populations that are either economically important or also listed under the Endangered Species Act as threatened species. So, you know, when you, the totality of it all between the fall run Chinook salmon, the spring run Chinook salmon, and the winter run Chinook salmon, the situation's pretty dire. Um, you know, when you talk about winter run Chinook, they migrate upstream during the winter months. They hold for a little while during the spring, and then they spawn in the summertime. And spring run Chinook salmon migrate upstream in the spring months, and they over summer in deep pools uh, and spawn in the fall. So both the spring run and the winter run face exceptional risks during the summertime when, you know, as you might be aware, of course, in the Central Valley, it can get quite warm for extended periods of time. So managing water temperatures for both winter run and spring run Chinook salmon during the summertime is a real challenge. And when the resource of water is um, in limited supply um, and that, you know, supply is diminishes uh, throughout the spring beyond kind of what the projected availability might be, it really tasks managers with trying to figure out strategies to keep them alive and, uh, uh, you know, protect critical life stages. And so, um, yeah, as we're looking into this year and looking back at 2014 and 15, the last significant drought of record, you know, this year is, is looking to be uh, more perilous in terms of the biological outcome than even those years. So, um, you know, we're in last year was dry and out migration has been bad, you know, for juvenile fish over the past couple of years. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're really concerned about the species' ability to be able to withstand these kind of back-to-back -back drought conditions from 2014-15 to now. But then again, with two dry and critically dry years in a row, it's very challenging. We're talking about the worsening plight of the state's endangered salmon population with Howard Brown, a senior policy advisor at NOAA Fisheries, and Tara Duggan, a staff writer 
at the San Francisco Chronicle. What are your questions about the state's endangered salmon? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We are at KQED Forum. Um, Howard Brown, where are we in the sort of long sweep of uh, salmon conservation, like kind of going back to sort of the rivers as they were encountered by indigenous people in California, uh, you know, up through the 20th century and then uh, now to today? Are we at the lowest point we've ever been or are we actually doing better than at some point uh, in the past? We're Well, you know, it's interesting. The populations were starting to recover a little bit after the last drought. Um, but we've seen numbers come down pretty hard. It, surprisingly, this year is a year that we've seen some recovery from the last drought. So we, over the past few years, we, well, last year was okay for winter run in terms of adult abundance. We saw about 6,000 or so return to the upper Sacramento River to spawn. But for spring run Chinook salmon, their numbers have been at historical lows over the past couple of years. Numbers that we um, aside from the Butte Creek population, numbers that we've never we've never seen, uh, you know, since uh, you know humans started to plumb the system and manage uh, manage water in the Central Valley. So we're at pretty low numbers, but you know, this year we've seen some recovery. Um, unfortunately, you know, these rebounding you know levels of abundance have been encountered by or encountered by or met with warm water temperatures, and that's really tough. But yeah, I mean, we're we're when you look back to historic abundance, we're we're not we're we're a, a fraction of what you know pre-European times used to uh, used to look like in terms of the distribution of salmon populations across the Central Valley, you know, and all the tributaries they used to occupy, but also their abundance, their life history diversity, their genetic diversity, all of those kind of important components of a salmon's life structure. Uh, have been significantly impacted since pre-European times. Yeah. So, Tara Duggan, um, we know that we essentially now have to do all kinds of things to try and keep these fish alive because we've so disrupted the sort of natural systems that they once relied upon. Um, and one of the things that we're considering doing this year, right, is trucking these fish to various places. Um, how, how would that work and what problem would that solve? Yeah, well, actually, the it's a it's a plan that's been in the works for quite a while. It's the National Marine Fisheries Service, but it 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 probably won't go into effect this year, unfortunately. It's it's a longer term plan to try to save one portion of this endangered salmon population, um, and it's pretty fascinating um, because Lake Shasta is such a tall dam, unlike other dams, maybe like in uh, Pacific Northwest, where they can build a ladder for the fish to surmount the dam and continue further north in the in the river that's just not possible with Shasta Dam um, but the the salmon their historic spawning areas were much further up in the mountain before the dam was built where the rivers are much cooler um, uh, up near Mount Lassen there's uh, these spring-fed cool rivers that stay cool throughout the summer and that's what salmon like that's where they like to spawn and um, so this this plan to preserve the population or at least part of it is to retrieve some of the adults when they come up to the the foot of Lake Shasta put them in a truck and drive them on highway five up to the mountains and put them in a cold river called McLeod River which is a tributary 
where they used to go on their own before the, the, the dam was built. Let them have their, you know, lay their eggs safely in the cool Frolic water. in the mountains of the cool water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the little babies would would come out and um, have a little chance to make it without being in the hot water. And then they'd get a ride back to the Sacramento River and then make their way back to the ocean. Um, and it sounds pretty crazy, but it, it, it might be just one way of making sure they're sort of hedging bets, you know, in case of these, you know, there we're going to be seeing these droughts a lot more often, or there could be other natural disasters that could really hurt the population. So um, that's one, one idea. So uh, there's, yeah, there's also another, there's another uh, project in the works that's helping to preserve salmon and another tributary. And there's a hatchery that also, um, you know, keeps the population going. So it's not like the only salmon are right in the river, but the majority of them are in the Sacramento River. And that's that's where it's a real critical situation. We're talking about the worsening plight of the state's endangered salmon population with Tara Duggan, a staff writer at the San Francisco Chronicle, and Howard Brown, a senior policy advisor with NOAA Fisheries. And we want to add John McManus um, to the conversation. He's the president of the Golden Gate Salmon Association and Industry Group. Welcome to the show, John. Good morning. And actually, it's Golden State Salmon Association. Oh, Golden State Salmon Association. My apologies. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yes, it's a Bay Area show. What can you say? We have it on the mind. Um, John, I, uh, I want to ask you, from your perspective, how does this year look? This year looks horrible. I mean, the truth is, as Howard mentioned earlier, we were just recovering salmon runs out in the ocean from the last major drought. And ironically, fishing has been relatively decent this year out in the ocean. But our pain is always two to three years delayed. But what's happening right now is going to hurt the salmon fishermen two and three years from now when they attempt to go out in the ocean and they're going to be heavily constrained or restricted because of a low number of both winter run and another run that we haven't talked about, which is fish out of the Klamath River. So we're looking at real pain coming uh, in the years ahead. And what would you like to have happen now that could possibly, you know, preserve more of the fish, both for your uh, industry uh, uh, folks as well as, you know, for the fish themselves? I think we got to start with an understanding that 80 percent of the water in California goes to agriculture. And in a year like this, when we have very low water supplies, we need to make some really hard and tough decisions. We want to keep ag alive, but we also want to keep our fish and wildlife alive. We don't want to drive salmon or any other species extinct in a drought year like this. And it's possible to keep salmon alive if the right choices are made by water managers. But that's not what happened this year, both at the state level and at the federal level. Decisions were made that basically tipped the scales more in favor of agriculture. And as usual, salmon end up up at the bottom. So I think, you know, Californians need to make a decision as a whole as to what they want, what kind of future they want. Do we want to see a future without salmon and other wildlife species that blink out because of water allocation systems from the last century? Or do we need to get realistic and take a fresh look at this? Yeah. Um, 
Thanks for that, John. I want to ask you, Howard Brown, about this sort of complex division uh, of water. Maybe we could just take one step back and explain how it works to distribute this water through the state. Well, I'm probably not the leading expert on how the water is distributed this through the state. You know, I'm just going to be clear that my role is in fishery management. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. It's it's a we're working with a very limited supply resources that's cut into a large number of parts. And I think at its most simple kind of breakdown, there's probably, you know, eight significant parts that are part of the equation. Right. There's as John mentioned, there's water for agriculture. Right. So there's agriculture in the along the Sacramento River system that's part of the situation. There's agriculture in the Delta. And then there's agriculture south of the Delta, right? So Mm -hmm. moving water around the Central Valley to meet the agricultural water demands is a real complicated thing. And as John mentioned, it takes a lot of water to meet that demand. You know, there's also water for, you know, M&I water, right? Municipal industrial use, that's also part of the equation. So water is delivered in parts to to those uses. You know, there's water that's used and managed to, meet water quality demands in the Sacramento River San Joaquin Delta, right? So there's salinity, there's outflow, there's, you know, there's Delta smelt and other fish in the Delta that require, you know, varying degrees of uh, water quality and water availability to keep them alive. And then, you know, of course, there's, there's water for refuges, there's state and federal uh, refuges that demand water. And then, of course, there's the fishery issues. Um, so meeting all of those demands at any given year is complicated. And you throw in, you know, the second driest year, you know, in, in state's history, second only to 1977, that I'm aware of, that it becomes even harder, right? So that's kind of the breakdown of the distribution from my perspective. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, the state's uh, Reservoir system is built to, you know, collect the water, hold the water, release it um, to meet those downstream demands and uses. And that, you know, the whole way that uh, reservoirs and water deliveries are made is completely different than the way it was, you know, in pre-dam conditions when the, you know, it would rain or you get snowpack and that runoff from both the precipitation and the snow would run downstream and it would, you know, provide the demands and um, that were available based on the time that it flowed downstream. Um, but with dams, it provides this unique situation and opportunity to make deliveries during the summertime when the water would have otherwise been almost, you know, less available, right? It mm-hmm. would have been, we're in a, you know, uh, this situation where it's rather dry in the summers in California. So now we've really kind of reversed the hydrology and flipped it on its head. So that's another complexity that comes into play here and that adds another layer of challenge uh, and risk for fishery management. Um, Tara Duggan, just with our last few seconds here, I wanted to ask you whether you know, doing the things we need to do to protect these endangered salmon runs have broader sort of effects on ecosystems uh, in improving them, or if it's pretty specific just to the salmon? That's a good question. Um, You know, as Howard mentioned, there are a lot of issues around making sure there's enough water in the Delta, the right levels of salinity are there. Um, But 
you know, the salmon do, are really, if you look at the specific salmon situation, the important part of ecosystem as a whole, mm-hmm. they create, you know, food for other, you know, other animals. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's a really important issue overall for the environment, which is why a lot of environmental groups are really in support of prioritizing salmon, you know, and saying agriculture is getting a little too much sway in this situation. Thank you for that. We've been talking about the state's endangered salmon population with Tara Duggan with the San Francisco Chronicle, Howard Brown with NOAA Fisheries, and John McManus, president of the Golden State Salmon Association. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.